0: of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The text for our deliberation this morning is a sentence from today's gospel where Jesus said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So far the word of God. There's a story about a little girl whose mother constantly reminded her to wash her hands before meals because of the germs and to pray whenever she gets ready for bed for God's protection at night. One day at school, her kindergarten teacher asked her, well, how are things at your house? And the little girl said, all I hear about at our house is God and germs and I've never seen either one. Thomas in today's gospel was in that position. The expression, seeing is believing, comes from the gospel story. And the expression, doubting Thomas, has its origin there too. Let's think about that story for a few moments today and see what God intends to teach us here. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction. It's not just there for story time, it's profitable for instruction. What can we learn from doubting Thomas? When I first started to think about this lesson in preparation for today, the thought came to me I think that Thomas has been getting some bad press. Thomas was not the first doubter. Eve was, doubting Eve and doubting Adam. Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say this? And Eve said, wait a minute, maybe he didn't. Doubting is part of the human condition. It was the first approach that Satan used on humankind, and it worked. And doubt is often accompanied by ridicule. When people want you to doubt something, don't tell me you believe this stuff. In other words, you're not one of the regular gang. Why don't you get with it? Doubt the things that you learned at home. Doubt the things they're telling you in church. Luther said once, if you have no doubts in your life, pinch yourself and see if it hurts, because if it doesn't, you're dead. Doubting, however, is not sinful. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that it is sinful to have a doubt. Giving in to it is the sin temptation is not sinful, giving into it is. We can't stop temptations. Like Luther once said, we can't stop the birds from flying over our head, but we can stop from something happening to us when they do. Now, what is the Lord trying to teach? First of all, doubt is a helpful thing in many cases. Doubt is not sinful. It may even be a gift of God. And the first point I want to make as a science teacher is that science would be impossible without doubt. Science is based on doubt. In the 16th century, the Polish cleric and astronomer said, I doubt that this Ptolemaic theory that the Earth is in the middle of the universe and doesn't turn or move I doubt that that's true, even though people have believed it for a thousand years. I doubt if it's true. I think the sun is in the middle, and the earth is moving around it. He was so afraid to say this that he waited till the day he died for fear of the repercussions. Now we say, how dumb those people were at the time. Of course Copernicus was right. In the 18th century, the French chemist and devoutly religious person, Lavazier said, I doubt the phlogiston theory. You know what the phlogiston theory was? When something burns, (coughs) it contains phlogiston, and that's driven out. And therefore, what is left, the ashes weigh more than they did in the wood to start with, because phlogiston has negative weight. And there has to be deflogisticated air around said, I doubt that. I think the air contains something that combines with the wood and so oxygen was discovered. <clears throat> we see how dumb those people were to be in, believe in phlogiston. <clears throat> At the beginning of this century the German physicist Einstein said I doubt that Newton's laws of motion and gravitation are true in all cases. I think when you go very fast near the speed of light, they break down. And I'm going to make up new laws called the theory of relativity to take care of those situations. We wouldn't be in space without it today. Today, the Australian biochemist Michael Denton says, I doubt that Darwin's theory really makes any sense. In fact, as a microbiologist, he said, I can show that in microbiology, natural selection doesn't hold true at all. And the American law professor Philip Johnson at UCLA just wrote a book called Darwin on Trial in which he says, and I've mentioned this here before, I doubt that the theory of evolution has any merit whatever. It's a religion and it wouldn't hold up in court for a minute and we should stop teaching it in our public schools. This is gaining ground. If you were fortunate enough to be at the debate a few weeks ago at Stony Brook University, for four hours we sat there while a Bible-believing creationist destroyed a professor of evolution at the University of Stony Brook in a four-hour debate. If you want to see it sometime, it's all on film. The theory is going down the tube and we shouldn't be the last ones to abandon it. The Swiss theologian Wildersmith said, I doubt the theory has any merit whatever, but he can't even get his books published in the United States. So firm a grip do the evolutionists have in our school system. So much for science, without doubt it wouldn't be here. Now let's move into the religious sphere. In matters of the soul, what role does doubt play? Doubt and unbelief are not the same thing. They coexist. Doubt and unbelief are not synonymous. The Pharisee who got up and said, thank you, God, that I'm so good, he had no doubts. He was not a believer. He did not go down to his house justified, Jesus said. The publican had the doubts. He smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He had doubts that he was good enough. To get into the kingdom of God. He had faith or he wouldn't have been there. Doubt is a sign of faith. Satan does not go around wasting his time plaguing people with doubts who are already unbelievers. You know it's a strange thing when somebody asks you if you're an American you don't say oh I'm not sure. But if you ask a person if he's a Christian, he often says, oh, I think so. That's Satan at work. I'm not sure. You remember the story in the Bible where the man came to Jesus and said, my son is at home grievously ill. He's possessed by a demon. He's frothing at the mouth. He, does, he throws himself down and all these things. Will you please come and heal him? Do you think you can? He said to Jesus. Jesus said, What do you mean you think I can? Have faith. And the man said a very interesting thing to, to Jesus. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. The man said, I'm a mix. I believe, that's why I'm here but it's not real strong i need more strength i want assurance i want you lord jesus to help me to believe more it's not a very pleasant situation to have doubts to doubt in another person to doubt another person's integrity or loyalty or faithfulness or honesty that's a troubling thing. And it brings us to the last part of what I would like to say about doubt. To be troubled is to bring us to the Lord. To be troubled and to know where to go for strength is the godly thing. And that's why I think the story of Thomas is in the Bible to drive us to our knees and to the Word of God and say, help my unbelief, make my faith stronger. When I just read the gospel I became aware of something I hadn't thought of all week. It says at the end of the story that many other miraculous things did Jesus do. Why did it say many other? Well he did two in that story alone. He walked right through a wall Now that should have shaken the disciples up already. It says he came right and stood among them even though the door was locked. Try that sometime. That's physics. I know as a physics teacher that most of the universe's space, including this wood, is 99% vacuum. But to go through there with the faith and say I'm going to go through all the vacuum with my knuckles, I'm not going to have enough faith to do that. Jesus knew all the physics necessary to go right through the space in that wall. And the other miracle in that story is a little more subtle. He went right up to Thomas and said, "...reach out your hand." It's the first time he had seen Thomas. He knew what Thomas had said the week before, every word that he had said, "...that I will not believe." Nobody told Jesus that. He knew it. That's scary. That's scary if you're in the wrong camp, and it's reassuring if you're in the right one. Thomas knew where to go with his doubt. That's a plus. He came back the next week. He didn't go running off to some bar and say, I can't believe this story. We go to the believers, to our fellow believers, and associate with them for strength in our faith. And he got it, he got it. There was another time in the New Testament when Jesus talked to the crowds and said, I want to prove to you that I'm the Messiah. And to do that, he said, I'm going to quote the prophet Isaiah to show that he was prophesying about me. And what did he quote from Isaiah? He said, Isaiah once wrote a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The Messiah will be God come to earth to reassure those who are weak and have doubts. That's a sign of the Messiah, that he strengthens faith and removes doubts. That same father who asked Jesus to heal his son Jesus told him in that same story, everything is possible for him who believes. Wow. There are no ifs, and buts, and modifiers. Everything is possible for him who believes. And then he goes on, if you don't get the point, he said, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. You can say to this mountain, go and throw yourself in the water. I don't have any mountains at the moment that I want to move, I'm not working on an interstate or anything, but there are a few obstacles in the hearts of my friends and acquaintances who keep resisting the word of God. I'd like that obstacle move, if I have enough faith, it says, it can move that obstacle, and. You will know as well as I do, to move an obstacle in a person's heart is harder than to move a mountain. We can do that as bulldozers, but you cannot bulldoze a person's heart. God moves that obstacle in the heart of the spouse, the child, the classmate, the friend. That takes faith. That kind of believing is more powerful than seeing. Seeing can be deceptive. I can't see God with physical eyes, but I can see him in my heart and the lives of people. That's power. On the other hand, I can see a lot of lies and deception on TV and in the newspaper and sleight-of-hand tricks and things people are trying to convince me of through seeing, through commercials, through everything else, that's not the kind of seeing that changes things or moves mountains or people's hearts. Believing is seeing. <clears throat> you know, the Bible is a lot easier on doubt than it is on arrogance. Jesus was easier on Thomas than on Peter. Peter was arrogant when, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, some. What is going to deny me and go, no, Peter said, I will never deny you. He said, before the night is out, three times you're going to say you don't even know me. And he had to bring Peter back after the resurrection and said, Peter, stand here and reaffirm your faith to me because you denied me three times. He never did that with Thomas. Thomas had a doubt and instantly Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Pride is much worse than doubt. A little faith is much better than a lot of pride. Because through the assurance that God promises us to come and we come to him, we can change that, I'm not sure, to I know that my Redeemer lives. And we have to do that every day. It isn't something we say, well, now my doubt is removed. Now I'm sure I'm set for life. I remember sometime 15 years ago when I said, I'm sure, and therefore I'm in. That's not biblical. There's another story about an atheist who came to a pastor and told him that he absolutely cannot believe in God. He spent an hour telling him about this God that he doesn't believe in. And the pastor replied and said, You know, I must be an atheist too because I don't believe in that God you describe either. And he then opened the Bible to him and told him about the God of the Bible, the one who gave us Easter. That's the God, not the one the atheist makes up in his mind and then knocks down. Doubt, to summarize, is essential to things like science. Doubt is part of our spiritual lives many times, and it shows that faith is there even though it is not as strong as it should be. And finally, we know from today's story that if doubt drives us to prayer and to the Word of God, that God will answer and will strengthen faith. What can we go out and do? The action line, as my son-in-law likes to say when he goes to a sermon, what's the action line? The action line is, let's go out this week and make a few unbelievers doubt their unbelief. And then turn them over to God and get out of God's way. May God help us to do that in our walk with him. Amen.